Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 179. I'm your host, Blaine Putney. I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Matt Smith is unavailable to us as he is in New Brunswick, traveling around the circus sideshow that is his family life. Stalking Jake Allen. (laughs) He's trying to find the, the Jake Allen fishing hole. And who can blame him? You see the fish that Jake Allen's been pulling out of the rivers. I I would too. I mean, it does seem like fun. No wife there to yell at you. That's I'm not a fisherman, but I would go there just for that. That is the side bonus. Yeah. So. And that's why you buy the the 14 foot aluminum boat so you can fit all the beer in. Yeah. Yeah. And off you go. Off you go. So. Um, I hope Matt's enjoying his family time, his first family time in a couple of years. So he's it's well-earned, well-earned time off. But uh, we'll carry on with what is our Catalina Wine Mixer episode. Boats and hoes. <laughs> boats and hoes. We have no boats and, uh, well, I mean, we're old married guys, so. No, no hoes either. So it's an ironic Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> All right. So the, this week's episode, uh, 
we're going to cover a few odds and ends. We're going to talk a little bit about some news and notes. We'll, uh, we'll go in on uh, the Canadian centers, uh, a little bit of depth, talk about uh, Jonathan Drouet, uh, whether the Canadians are going to take a step back, and some social discussion about what it means to have enough skill to play in the NHL. So let us just start off with our news and notes. The first, step, uh, the first point is Thomas Tatar has signed with the New Jersey Devils. So congratulations, Thomas. Yeah, he says he wants to play on a winning team. So he immediately uh, asked for a trade. Actually, I think New Jersey is going to improve this year. I don't know if they're going to make the oh, playoffs yeah. or not, but uh, they're definitely going to improve. Um, they look they look like a very competitive team this year. Yeah, Blackwood, I think, is a great goaltender for them. Uh, Hamilton's going to help their defense. Tatar up forward with the young guys, uh, Zacha and, and Hughes and uh, what else do they got there? Uh, they got a, they got a handful of guys who could put in, put yeah. uh, shots on net. But what I'm going to be watching to see if uh, the younger Hughes brother uh, makes his way in or not. I, I know he's an NCAA player, so does he sign a pro contract? Does he, um, you know? how does he look in their development camp? Does he take a ju- the junior route? Does he, does he make it right out of camp? Like that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting team next year. I don't think Jersey's going to be a bottom five. I think they're going to be uh, fighting for a wild card spot, whether they make it or not, it's going to be another story. Yeah. I think they're going to be more uh, 10th to 15th place overall for the draft next year. The, they'll, the, they're definitely a lot better. But, the, uh, the, the the Atlantic division is a little bit weaker than say uh, what or than say what uh, Canadians division is going to be, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, the metro. It's the metro for the them. Metro. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I found it a little a little odd that Tatar would uh, would say he wants to go someplace where he has a chance of winning, especially for a yeah. guy who just left a team that made the Cup final, didn't dress him. So some people saw it as a shot at the Canadians. Uh, I don't I, think I it was. I, I didn't think it was a shot. I think he just looks at the makeup of the New Jersey Devils and looks at it as a team that's on the rise. It's uh, They're at that little pinnacle where the rebuild's coming to its final stages and they're going to make that turn to basically what the Canadians, pretty much where the Canadians are at now. Canadians... Like, like if you take the Stanley Cup run out of the equation, the Canadians are entering their, I would say their final year of the rebuild where they have to now take that, that flip and turn it into a, yep. a playoff slash contending start going towards a contending team. Cause now they're a playoff. Well, they should be a playoff team. They're trying to open up their window. Correct. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, Tatar, he joined the Canadians uh, at about the same point that New Jersey's at now. So yeah. when he's, when he arrived in Montreal, it's about where the devils are now. Thereabouts. It's not, ex- it's not an exact thing, but yeah. it's close. And I guess for Tatar, the bonus is he doesn't have to worry about being scratched in the playoffs. <laughs> well, if he would have went to Toronto, he'd been all right. Cause he played the first round in, uh, in this year's playoffs. So that's true. 
So, but he didn't go to Toronto. But uh, yeah, a lot of people look at it as a parting shot. I didn't take it. I thought nope. he was like he he he's been around long and he's been in a rebuilding Detroit team. He was on a rebuilding Montreal team. Uh, I mean, I won't even mention Vegas because he was there for like 15 minutes, and then uh, and he got eight playoff games in Vegas. Yeah, or so, no, five then, in Vegas, eight in Montreal. And then he, uh, you know, now he's going to New Jersey, same spot. I think he just likes being on teams that are on the rise. I guess. Well, I mean, I think yeah. he likes to be on teams that want to pay him the money. Well, that too. He is a professional, <laughs> and this is, yeah. you know, I mean, he's getting paid four and a half million a year which is about what he was making with Montreal. So yeah. good for him. He's getting, he's getting what he feels he's, he deserves. And he knows that if things don't work out in New Jersey, they can trade him quite easily. Yeah. So, Hey, good luck. In, uh, good luck in New Jersey, Thomas. Uh, thanks for, uh, you know, all the play in Montreal. And I mean, it did, did create one of the most iconic gifts on Twitter, the Thomas Tatar gif, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we'll get might get into this later, but that's the uh, the best line in the NHL. Got five on five line in the NHL is no more. It's one down, yep. one player torn torn to shreds. Uh, Although, I mean, I the guy on Twitter said uh, you should be really worried about it. I'm not that. Uh, we'll get into it later. We'll get into that's, it. That's that's for the, that's for a little <laughs> bit later. Yeah. Uh, the next uh, the next piece of information, uh, Mike McNiven signs a one-year two-way deal with the Canadians, avoiding arbitration. Uh, for me, I think the whole point of him going to arbitration was to guarantee a decent paycheck at the AHL level. So he has a guaranteed $110,000 for the year, no matter where he plays. So people may not remember, but he, he kind of, he bounced around the ECHL a couple of years ago. So he went to four different teams through, you know, pitches shutouts and then sits on the bench for long periods of time because the teams he went to were controlled by other organizations. So at least this way, he guarantees that he's going to get me, get his money. Um, but I think he's pretty much, get, uh, pretty much penciled in right now as the backup in Laval. I, uh, it's going to be interesting if Price isn't ready at the start of the season, who they put in Montreal as the backup, because uh, nothing against Caden Primo, but I truly believe Primo needs a full season as the number one guy in Laval. Yeah. Um, I don't think last year was enough games. I think you've said it before. You need about 200 professional games to. Uh... Uh, well, the, uh, the former goaltending coach, Stefan Waite, said that the organization's plan was to give him about 150 professional starts before mm. he would become a, a starter in the NHL. Yeah. But I, I truly believe because he struggled this year in the at the NHL level um, in the I mean, games that he was in. He was. You can tell he wasn't quite ready. He right. he had some flashes where he was he looked really good, and other moments were you can tell he wasn't ready. Yeah. I just found the year before his games were more solid in the NHL than they were than they were this year. It was kind of up um, and down, same as it was. Uh, so I think he needs a full season Laval as the starter, as the number one guy. Uh, again, nothing against Caden. I mean, this is just a, what, 22-year-old goaltender who goaltenders yeah. don't normally get into the rhythm to their 24, 25, 26 anyway uh, at the NHL level. Like, they don't usually start till about that age at the NHL level. And then uh, 
So give him another full seat. So it'd be interesting to see if it's Hamber McNiven that uh, backs up Jake Allen, if Price isn't ready to start the season. Now he's supposed to be, so it could be, this could be a non-issue, but uh, I'd be interested. I I wouldn't mind seeing McNiven up there, especially if you're just going to play Allen anyway. You don't want to waste Primo sitting on the bench for two to three weeks. Pretty much yeah, I think that's what's going to be the big uh, the big thing. Depending how long anybody is out, they might call yeah. him up to let him play a few games and then just send him right back down. Yeah, yeah. and then kind of swap him back and forth with McNiven, yeah. depending Cause, on. Cause I mean, we don't have a Charlie Lindgren who we know is never going to play because he's terrible. Uh, this for that guy. All right, you're just going to sit on that bench. Don't even bother putting your jock strap on. So because it's up in the stands somewhere because you lost it about a month ago. Yeah, but... <laughs> he got deked out in practice. Yeah. But uh, so I don't know. It'd be interesting, but you're absolutely right. If everything goes right and price is back and everything's good, uh, McNevin will be the backup in Laval. He'll, he'll actually probably get like 30 games. Uh, what's their schedule? Their schedule's not 80 games. It's like 70 games or something, isn't it? Uh, the AHL? It's yeah. 72 games this year. Yeah. So he'll probably get like 25, 25 games in, which is. McNevin, I would think, get about 25. Yeah. Yeah. Because they games, play which three is, games and three nights a lot of times, yeah. so it would which will sense. be pretty good, and it'll give uh, it'll give uh, Primo the rest that you know the, a good uh, ratio of rest to play. Uh, yeah, minutes, so. especially when they're doing the three and three, it'll you know you put a fresh goalie in, yeah, in each night. It gives the team a good chance to win uh, to win because that's what they're looking for in Laval this year. You can tell by the by the amount of veterans they're bringing in, especially local veterans where they, they want to compete for that playoff spot. This is a team that finished second in the AHL last year, and they want to give the new young prospects that are rolling in uh, winning atmosphere to develop in. And they, they probably would have won the finished first in the AHL if they didn't have lose everyone to the NHL slash injuries and lose their last five games in a row. So, uh, But again, they, they pretty much lost everyone, like, either injuries or they went to the NHL because Montreal had injuries. The, the team was depleted. Yeah. So, which, I mean, that's just another reason why having a 36 man roster paid off for them. Yeah. So I, I expect the same this year, not quite to that level because they have Trois Diviers. Les Lyons are going to be starting their, their inaugural season next year. So you're going to see a lot of travel between ECHL and AHL back and forth, which I think is a bonus. And it's another reason why I think McNiven went to arbitration to have that guaranteed money. Well, I mean, it's good that they have uh, uh, the Lions now because they don't have the situation like, say, DeChow or someone like that that comes up is not going to find themselves in a situation where they're bouncing around the ECHL just to get games in. Yeah. Uh, they can go to they can go to uh, a Trois Riviers and be like, all right, I'm the guy here and I'll stay here. I'll play my 20, 25 games here or whatever it is. And if they need me in Laval, I'll, I can just hop on a bus and or hop in a taxi and go over to Laval. So, uh, um, but that's what the problem with McNevin was two years ago. Was it two years ago? Two years ago. Uh, is they had no place for him because they had Kincaid, they had Lindgren, they had Primo all in the AHL. And uh and there was no spot for, for McNevin. Yeah. But Dykow, uh, he's going to, uh, he's, he's going to play his overage year in the mm-hmm. OHL this year. Mm-hmm. He's playing in Sudbury. Sudbury has a very strong team again. 
they're going to be looking to compete and they're going to be relying on Dicow to provide that, uh, that solid goaltending. So that's, that's yet another layer of prospect depth. I'm going to call him to chow just for Jenny. Cause Jenny likes when I mispronounce names. So <laughs> you're Don Cherry. A Wisconsin person telling me how to pronounce names. I find this hard to believe. Oh, you betcha. Oh, you have a really good day now, okay? <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's going to be on Twitter any minute now. <laughs> she's going to be angry. So uh, the next uh, the next piece of news is some sad news. Uh, it came out re- in the last week that um, Michael Kotkaniemi, Yesperi's uh, father, is going to be taking some time away from hockey to receive cancer treatments. So we send our best wishes to Michael Kotkaniemi, the entire Kotkaniemi family, all their friends, and uh, we hope for the best. If, anyone, if anyone's wondering, he was one of the coaches. He was the head coach in Poriasset when uh, Kotkaniemi was there. I don't know if he was the head coach or he's one of the coaches there. He was the head coach uh, the head when coach, Jesperi yeah. was there. When yes, Barry was there, and I think he was up right up until now. So he's a he's a, he actually is a big figure in the Finnish hockey uh, yeah hockey world. So so it's it's a big deal in Finnish hockey to uh, to lose him for even temporarily. Um. All right. So best wishes to them. We're hoping for the best. We're sure that everything will turn out just fine. Um. All right. So the next. Thing we're going to go into uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Canadian forward group you had some uh, well I, I wrote something in the hockey writers you you were working on something right now um, my my article was about a lack of experience which some people on Facebook looked at and said that's stupid there's tons of center depth yeah no there's a lot of centers I'm talking about experience they lost, they lost Philip Deneau, who <clears throat> I get it. He wasn't an offensive player, but he took almost what seventy percent of the the uh, defensive draws. He took he had a sixty-eight to seventy percent defensive zone start time. He took on a ton of penalty kill time, matchups. He played that defensive role, which allowed people like Suzuki and Kotkaniemi to focus more on their offensive game. I know Suzuki is the number one center. So why are you going to add matchup defensive center to his repertoire when he's already playing almost 19 minutes a game? To me, that makes no sense. Uh Suzuki, I mean, everyone's hailing Suzuki as he's going to turn into a Patrice Bergeron type player. Yeah, sure. That, that's that's really, and he says he molds his game after Patrice Bergeron, who was his and even if he even if he becomes the next Patrice Bergeron next season, he can only play eighteen to twenty minutes a game. Correct, correct. So, so who's gonna, I mean, you're you're. I don't think you're going to see Montreal match up per se like they did with Deneau. I think it's going to be a uh, defense by committee. I think they're going to uh, Jake. Ev- if anyone's going to match up, it's probably going to be Jake Evans. But um, is he ready for that? 
He's a sophomore. He's an NHL he sophomore. He is. With, um, a, with an injury history for concussions. And then, well, then you're going to see Cedric Paquette try to match up against uh, uh, players. And you're, you're not, listen, you lost the defensive talents of Deneau. You're not going to get that back. So now you're going to have to do it by committee. You're just yeah. going to have to say, all right, Suzuki, you're playing against McDavid. Nope, that didn't work. All right, Evans, your line's playing against McDavid. Hopefully that works. You know, it's just going to be a, let's see which line fits. Yeah. Uh, if uh, Ducharme does it the way he did in the playoffs, he's just going to roll his four lines regardless anyway. Uh, except Deneau, of course, Deneau was out against the top players, which made sense. Um, but you know what? If you think about it, Armia and Lekkinen are very good defensive players. So just because the defensive player is not at center anymore doesn't mean you can't match up the line. Just have a winger up against the best player, not a center. I mean, doesn't doesn't feel natural, but you know that's something that they could uh, they could try. Yeah, and you would assume that Byron would be part of that, but with him out until Christmas, that's going to hurt along the wings. Uh, they brought in. Matsupeto, who plays a similar type of game, so that could help. But you're looking you're looking at the the lack of experience at center, which it's going to hurt. I, I the argument of youth versus experience comes into play here. There's not a lot of experience, so you're going to have to rely on youth, and you're going to have to live with their mistakes and hope yeah. that the wingers can pick up on it especially Kotkaniemi, whose game has been inconsistent and has been, I mean, it's pointed out in the uh, postseason interviews by Bergevin himself saying, we need more from him. We need him to be more consistent. That's, that's where losing someone like Deno hurts the most. So now well, you're pushing, you're pushing Kotkaniemi into that larger role and you're hoping for the best. Well, that's just it. Like I wrote an article last week about Cotton I mean, his inconsistency and how he's now based on if the team stays the same, he's the second line center right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jake Evans isn't going there. Cedric Paquette's not going there. However, he's a second line center. He's going to be guaranteed to have good wingers. So whether they're offensive wingers. So uh, let's just say in my scenario, this is how I see the lineup stacking up and you can everyone will agree or disagree, but I see the top line is, I would like to see the top line is Drew and Suzuki and Caulfield right now. You could interchange Drew and with Huffman or Toffoli. What Toffoli would be good for the first line as well. I see Huffman with Cottonemi and uh, Anderson or Toffoli with Cottonemi. Sorry, Toffoli with Cottonemi and Anderson. That's how I see the second line. You can yeah, switch if- Gallagher. You could switch Gallagher and Anderson if you want flip flop them. And then you have a third line. Once again, with good, at least one two-way winger and one, because Hoffman's not really a defensive winger. So no, uh, no. But if you have Anderson or Gallagher on that line with Evans or, hear me out, Ryan Paling, I think Ryan Paling is going to be the wild card in this center yeah. depth because you're right, we do have depth. And I said that on Twitter too. I'm like, it's funny. A year ago, we had all this depth of center. And now we really don't. And you were absolutely right. It's not that we don't have depth. It's that we don't have experience depth. That That's the difference between what we have. Yep. We have all kinds of centers. We got centers. Good skill. Great skill. Good, great skill. We just don't have the experience. But I think Paling, who took a major step forward last year in Laval, 
He led the team in scoring. It was almost a point per game player. Uh, he started off slow. His first 10 or 11 games, he, he didn't do much at all. Uh, but he was something like, uh, I think he finished with 25 points in 27 games or 28 games. And, yeah, he uh, was playing in all situations. He was yeah. and fast. He was he was winning board battles. He was winning foot races. He was strong on the puck. He was yeah. out battling much older, stronger players. And he he was the second line center. He played the uh, uh, on the second line there. Uh, I'm trying to think who was the first line center for. It was one of the veterans. Wheel anyway. Wheel. That's right. Uh, so he played second line center and he excelled in his role. Uh, he had power play minutes. He had penalty kill minutes. He played in all situations. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer because again, he doesn't have the experience, No, but uh, I could see him coming in and winning that third, uh, that third line center role and having Evans and Paquette kind of fighting for that fourth line center role. Uh, but Paquette can play wings too. So uh I expect a move because I think still think even with Byron out, there's way too many wingers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's something coming. There's gotta be yeah. the, I mean, they've got what nine to 12, like really good wingers. Well, they have Well, 10 really, if you think about it, because they have Leckett and Armia, Byron Perot, right? That's four. And then you have your top six. Yeah. Or your one, two, three, four. Yeah. Then you have your top six. So that's 10 right there. Um, and that's just wingers. That's just, that's what I'm saying. That's just wingers. And then if you want to throw Paquette over on the wing, because Evans is going to take the fourth line, then now you have 11. So someone's moving. Someone's yeah. going somewhere. Uh, I don't you, know. Who. You would assume. And, and with Paling, I think I agree. He's the wild card. I agree that he's probably going to be given a good look during camp, but we have to keep in mind that he is still waiver exempt. So if there's someone yes. that's going to be sacrificed off that roster, him. likely him. Yeah. And going to Laval under new management with uh, JF Hood running the show there now, a very experienced AHL coach, um, he's going to be given a much larger role. Now that Wheel is gone, uh, it's going to be Paling doing the first line role. He's going to be playing in every situation. So if he makes the NHL roster, great. If he doesn't, going to Laval and showing that he can dominate there again and do it at, you know, on power play, penalty kill, five on five, the whole thing, he's going to earn his way back up yeah. and may force their hand to make a couple other trades. Yeah, definitely. Oh, most definitely. And uh, the key to the center thing, and I'm going to uh, switch gears just a little bit, it's going to be faceoffs because now that Deneau's gone, and even though a lot of people didn't like him, Stahl was gone because Stahl wasn't too, too bad at faceoffs. He was a 50% guy. The highest guy right now is Jake Evans at 51%. Uh, overall, Yemi, yes. Overall, overall. Yeah, yeah. Cotton Yemi is a great faceoff guy. He was just so inconsistent. He'd be 80% on the faceoff dot one game and 12% the next game. So it's it. Yeah. And again, we go back to the consistency thing with Cotton. And that's going to come with age and that's going to come with experience. I'm not bashing Cotton Yemi. Uh, so he literally just turned 21. Exactly. Like, I mean, we're not, we're not bad. It's just faucets, facets of the game that he has to learn and he has to get used to. And you have to think when he played over in Finland, they only played 60, 65 game schedules. So you can tell he hits a certain point of the season and cotton Emmy hits a wall. 
Yeah. And I, that's all I think that has to do with conditioning. And that was brought up in the, in the end of season presser. He has to get his lower body stronger, um, which he did last year during the, during the break, he, he hired the uh, skating coaches and uh, over in Finland after he had a spleen surgery and it seemed to work for him. He came out flying this season, but he seen, tends to, and again, he's a tall, lanky kid who's growing into his body. And, you know, that takes a lot out of you. When you go from 170 pounds to 195 pounds in a year and a half or whatever he is. He's 205 now. He's 205 now. When you start growing into your body, that's a lot more weight you're pulling around there on your skates and you've got to get used to it. So. Yeah, there's there's um, that mind-body connection. Yeah. So you're used to being smaller. You're not used to carrying that extra weight. You're not used to that little bit of extra reach, that little bit of extra height. It, it takes a little bit of time to get used to it. And, and, you know, that's why they always say bigger players take more time. Yeah. And uh, I think Emmys are going to be at least a 2C of the future for the Canadians. If he's not traded for Jack Eichel, like everyone thinks is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> he's not already. Um, but I mean, you got to be patient with him and uh, he'll be the guy we drafted. And uh, I, I wrote an article about that too. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, it's just going to take time. It's, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Uh, and if you, if you want to keep comparing him to, to Kachuk, then you're, you're absolutely comparing him to the wrong person out of that draft. So well, they're only going to do that until someone else starts making points and they're going to start, oh, well, what about this guy? Oh, what about that guy? Because when when the draft happened, it wasn't Kachuk everyone was complaining about. It was Zadina. That's correct. Yeah. But I mean, Zadina wasn't scoring NHL points. So you can't really, can't shit on the hockey team for picking the wrong guy if you're, you know, not using a guy who's already in the NHL. Right. And you're absolutely Ooh. right. During that draft, everyone wanted Zadina, Zadina picked. I was a, I was going for Kachuk. We were there at the draft. I told everyone I want them to pick Kachuk. I know so it's going to be Cotton. I know it's going to be Cotton Yemi. We all knew it was going to be Cotton Yemi. We told what lady it was going to be Cotton Yemi. She didn't yep. believe us. Uh, but we, I wanted Kachuk. However, Kachuk's a fifty-point winger, playing top minutes on a bottom team, who so, he may not want to stay with. Correct. So I mean, if you think about it. 50 points isn't a lot for a power four winger that's playing top minutes on a team. If you want to compare players, if you really want to compare players in that draft, Barrett Hayton is the person to compare. He was was the next top center. Picked at number five by Phoenix. Well, Arizona, Arizona. Um, And again, he's a young center. He hasn't even cracked the NHL lineup yet. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kotkaniemi has three years in the NHL. His ELC is done. He's got over 200 NHL games. It's it's coming. This kid is going yeah. to show that he can be a power forward center coming up. He's not he's not what Suzuki is. Suzuki is people are looking at him and thinking, here comes an elite center. And I'm hoping Suzuki reaches that. My concern for this season is the lack of experience. We, you talk about the face-offs. That's a, that's a key factor. People may not like the fact that face-offs matter for NHL coaches today, but they do. They want their team to start with possession. Just look at the Vegas series. How many goals were scored off face-offs? 
right? Almost every single one of their goals came off a face-off play. Yep. If you win half of those, the series is done in four games or five. I mean, it makes a difference. So today, even still today, it may not in a couple of years, but for now, NHL coaches and managers care about face-offs. So that's a, that's a factor. That defensive side of the game where they can rely on a guy to go out and take some time on the penalty kill, that eats up minutes. And, and that's minutes where if you have Kotkaniemi out there and he's he's his playing time is going up and up and up because he's on the penalty kill, well, that's tiring him out and taking away from his offensive game. And that's what you want him working on. So it's those, it's those little things that that's my concern this year. My biggest concern really this year is a face-offs is my biggest concern because if Jake Evans is your top face-off guy and he may not even be in the lineup, uh, then you lost something there. Cause Cedric Paquette is not a true center. He's a center hybrid. That's kind of a winger slash center, uh, a lot of people are bringing up Matthew Perot. Matthew Perot hasn't played center in four seasons. And he and said he, it's his back. He cannot yeah. do it because of his back. Yeah. So, And, I mean, I think he had something like 60 face-offs last year. I don't think he's had over 200 in the past three seasons. So uh, Perot's not going to be a center. He'll – no. Well, actually, that's that could be wrong because Montreal gets tossed out of the center circle all the time anyway. <laughs> so maybe he will be. I don't know. Well, I was going to say it's good to have guys like that in the lineup because when your center does get thrown out, which it will happen almost yeah. every single shift, there's a guy who can take a face off. Correct. And uh, however, I, I'm just shifting to a different gear for the centers. Look, I, I'm looking to see a veteran center come in. I'm still looking at Dvorak. I think Dvorak is, has, a, has a, the rumors still out there. It's still going around. It is August. The GMs usually take a little vacation during the yeah. August. So yeah. don't everyone panic because nothing's going on. Uh, but I, I can see Dvorak coming over to, uh, to, to Montreal. I mean, Henrik it, was another name I heard today on Twitter. Henrik? Uh, yeah, I would not want that contract. I, I don't want anything to do with Henrik, but. Uh, it's his contract. It's exactly like it has nothing nothing to do with the player, but I think he's getting like what five six million or something for another twenty seven thousand years. So yeah, yeah no, so no yeah, no, I want nothing to do with that contract. But uh, Dvorak has he has a good team friendly contract. It's not too bad, and you could probably get rid of some money uh, with Arizona because they're looking at uh, tanking for tanking for right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, even with uh, Byron on the LTIR, you still might be able to move him over in his contract over to... Because, I mean, if you think about it, and this getting away from Sanders, we're going to have some big money on the fourth line, especially if Armia's playing down on the fourth line. Armia's getting, what, three and a half million? Yeah, um, yeah, thereabouts. You know, and then you got Byron with three and a half million. You got Lekkinen at 2.3. I mean, that's not so bad, but, you know, it's a lot of money down on the on the fourth line. If you think about it. Yeah. 3.4 for Armia for the next four years. I don't see, I, I see them uh, using him up and down the lineup. He's one of those, those guys that are going to move around based on what they need in any given shift. Same as uh, the same kind of role that Byron's been playing for the last few years. And that's why I think Byron is the, going to be the odd man out when it comes time to move someone, yeah. if they can move that contract, they're going to move it. The LTIR, his injury kind of 
complicates things now. So they have to find a team willing to take that injured players contract on. Yeah. Um, but and don't uh, think that they're going to, I mean, I, people say, oh, oh, geez. Yeah. More LTIR. No, because he's going to be back during the season. Right. When he comes back, you have to replace him. You have to have $3.5 million available for him to, to come in, to come in, or you're going to have to put him on waivers and then hope no one picks him up and put him in the, bury him in the minors or find someone else to put on waivers. That's going to, you know, so yes, we have what, 10 million in LTIR or 11 million. Cause we are 2 million into it now with the Lekadin signing, but um the Webbers is the only guaranteed for the year LTIR relief that you're going to be able to play with really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the Canadians, the Canadians had about 600 K in overages last year. So that's going to be on the cap this year. So you have to add that into your cap mm. this year. Uh, the overages are from all the, um, the bonuses made on the contracts. Cause they made, you know, you got guys like uh, Caulfield, he played certain number of playoff games. They made it so far into the playoffs. He gets certain bonuses on his ELC. Same with Suzuki and on and on. So where are they at here? They're at, oof, Canadians have a projected cap hit of almost 84 million. And even with the cap going up $1 million this year to 82.5 is the expectation. It hasn't been announced officially yet. And it hasn't come into practice yet. Habs are over the cap. That's where that LTR is going to come in. So, was that this year or next year? The eighty-two point five. This year. This year. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I read about it, but I, I couldn't remember. Was this year or next year? Which causes all kinds of other problems. But cap-wise, the Canadians are are harder on it, and you you figure this is pretty much it. The lineup they got is the lineup they got, and they're not. They're going to have to find a way to make deals if they want to fill a gap somewhere in the lineup that they feel they have. I think, I think they're going to make a deal for a center. I wouldn't be shocked about it. I don't think you're going to lose anyone. Like you're not going to lose cotton. I mean, you're not, no. you're not getting Eichel. We're not, we are not getting Jack Eichel. So we what? can, we no, can say it isn't. So a, we can forget about that. Now Jack Eichel is not going to be, if he becomes a Montreal Canadian, I will buy an Eric Stahl Jersey and wear it. I, what about uh, only, I, only, I heard, I'll, I'll pro, only I'll provide proof that I bought the jersey. So yeah, you'll show it. Um, maybe maybe it's McDavid at fifty percent cap. You heard it here, uh, for, here first. Heard I, it here first. You know, Sydney. Cro- uh, what did I tweet? I said Sydney. Cro- I said here we are, <laughs> all thinking uh, Bergman's going to make a deal for Eichel, and really he's talking to Rutherford about uh, Sydney Crosby, who was a Canadians fan growing up, by the way. Evgeny Malkin. I take Malkin. Yeah, he's only out for three quarters of the season with injury. Let's do it. But still, he's going to be like third on your team in points. <laughs> in his 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> he finishes the season with 70 points in 12 games. I, I You know, I'd love to see someone like Dvorak come over. Uh, Dvorak, uh, I'm, he would I'm, be a I'm, good fit. He, he I'm going to fly with that rumor, and I'm yeah. going to go with it until I see it not happening. But but he, he does fit with what they're looking for. He's he's young. He fits with yeah. the core. Uh, he's good on face-offs. He's about a 55% man. Um, he plays a solid two-way game. He, he was brought up in the uh, London Knights organization. So you know that he, he knows what it takes to win. Um, he puts up points. 
he's a good playmaker. He's got a decent shot. He, he, you know, he does all those little things that GMs really love. So the rumor makes sense from the Canadian side, from Arizona side, why would they trade away their top centerman? Unless they're looking, ma- unless they're looking making, to tank. And he's not really making, his contract's not really that high either. It's, it's 4.5? Something like that. I mean, he's 4.25? He's only 25 years old. He's, what, his best season was 38 points in that last year, but the year before. Um but that's all you need. He's a good face-off guy. He's a uh, 51.5% career face-off guy. Yeah, I think he got 55% last year. The year before, 52 last year. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm just looking at his stats right now. Oh, but the, the I, la- I don't have him in front of me. Yeah, the two seasons before that, he was 55.1 and 55.3. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so he's, uh, you know, just looking at his stats, he's he'll fit in well as a third-line center for the Montreal Canadiens. Or second line center. If you want Cotton Amy on third line, he'll be your second line center. If you want to, depends on where you want to put Cotton in next year, really. Yeah. He's, he scored 18 goals, plays about 70 games. He plays, you know, yeah, 70 games a season. He had an injury in 18 19. We only played 20 games, but. If you want to roll, uh, roll centers, that, that'd be a great way of doing it. Having those three take up the majority of the time, and then you have Pocket or Evans take on the last say 10 minutes. You split 50 minutes yeah. among those three. And then, cause that's what you want your fourth line to be. You want your fourth line to be an energy line guys who can play on your penalty kill. And then you, you keep your best asset, your top nine assets out for the majority of the game. That's what you're looking for in today's NHL. So yeah, yeah no, that would make sense. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would make sense. Personally, I would want them to get a puck mover on the on the defense. Yes, uh, a top four puck move, like an actual puck yes. mover, not a not a Gustafson slash Mete type puck mover, but one that could actually throw up points and play defense. Congratulations to Mete on making a payday with Ottawa. One point two mil, baby. Woo! I don't understand. Wait, wait. How did Mete only get one point two million when Darnell Nurse got nine point two? Mete is the greatest of all time. Not tall in enough. Neutral, in the neutral zone. <laughs> Without the puck. Without, well, even with the puck, he's great in the neutral zone. Sure. Yeah, that Darnell nurse contract, I can see a lot of chatter on Oilers uh, Twitter. They, Some people were not happy. And by some people, we all know who it is. Chris Pudsey, the reigning Rain man, uh, rain man for Twitter. Just crap on everything that's ever done ever. I think he's just disappointed because he keeps giving up six to eight goals a game against me. That's right, Pudsy. That's right. Uh, no, so for the Canadians' defense, yeah, uh, I think I think they're really going to be pushing Romanov as that puck mover in the second and third pair. That's fine, but Romanov is. You had to remember, Romanov's not an offensive defenseman. He hasn't really been given a lot of leeway that in that. When no, he's playing internationally, he, though, you watch him play internationally. He's got that that puck he's, moving. He's got that. I I always compare him to Mar- a less offensively skilled Markov. Yes, I don't think he's going to get the points that Markov got for the Canadians, but I still think he can get 30, 35 points 
given sure. the ability to do so 40 max maybe uh, sure. and i'm happy with that uh the problem is you got to give him the minutes to do that and again giving him the minutes to do that you got to live with his mistakes so and i think that's what they're looking at this year they're yeah. looking at giving more um more openings to him like this this was supposed to be the year where the young guys start to break out start to get more ice time like if you look at the retool and the, the progression that the team was supposed to be on this is the year where they were supposed to start opening things up for the youth but well I said two seasons ago, and David Olinger will hold me to this because this is who I said it to in the tweet, that the 21-22 season will be the turnaround season yeah. for Montreal to start being a playoff team. Not necessarily a contending team, although I might have said that on their way to becoming a contending team. And 22-20. This is the season that all these young guys have to start taking that role yep. of being that the new guy right? Like the guy that we're going to depend on to make or break. And uh, so, and this is the season again, take, we have to take the Stanley cup run out of this because but playoffs and well, the playoffs and regular season, are two different things, right? You, you can't sit there and say this team is, should now be here because of their playoff run. But people will. So you can't you, really do it. I know we should, right. we should, but, because I mean, if you know hockey, you know, Playoffs and regular season are two totally different things. Absolutely, hundred percent. Like you could technically just have a playoffs for the hockey season and be a short season, but <laughs> you know you could technically do that. But I mean, uh, so you got to look at it as the progression of the retool is still going on. You've said it many times on a, a past podcast. We're only on year. We're on year three going into year four we're going into year four of the retool which is the year of a retool or rebuild or whatever the fuck you want to call it because it doesn't really matter it means all the same goddamn thing um that's the year where you're you hit the peak now you got to start take making the turn you gotta yep. start making the turn towards a playoff slash contending team and that's when you got looking at bergevin because so far bergevin's made all the right moves and done all the right things for this retool or rebuild now he has to do what he failed to do back in 2015. Yeah. <clears throat> Was and, turn this team from a bubble, we're almost there team, to a, all right, now we're on the straight arrow to being a contending team and being one of the top teams in the league. But did he do enough in this offseason so far to make the team that they have a playoff team in the Atlantic? I think he did most of his job last year to do that. And now he's filling the gaps. The problem is, is he has one big, huge fucking gap. Now I'm starting to sound like Matt with all the F-bombs coming out. Uh, and that's the puck-moving defenseman. So, I mean, you have Jeff Petrie. Yep, puck-moving defenseman. Yep. But he can only play on one line. That's right. And you're only <laughs> going to get 22 to 25 minutes. Cause you don't right. want to be, you don't want to be putting him out for 30 minutes a game. Cause that's when he starts to really screw up. Yeah. So now you have Savard and as of right now, if you, if you ask me, this is my lineups in my head and on my NHL 21. Uh, so you have Petrie with Edmondson. You have Sherratt with Savard and Kulak. I have Kulak. I would have Kulak and Romanov on the, on the third, as of right now. 
with the way. Yeah, that that seems like something done. Ducharme would do. Personally, I would split up your your puck movers. Like, uh, correct. I I would get Kulak in with Sharat. I would get Romanov in with with Savard. Um, I, I would do the same thing. The problem yeah. is, is Romanov can play the right side, and Kulak and Sharat aren't very good on the right side. But Kulak can play the right side. He can, but on a third yeah, pair, especially if if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I absolutely agree with you. I agree that I think Romanov should be given a bigger role this year. I think he should be uh, given, if you could make those two guys as your PMDs, and I think Kulak and the analytic guys will side with me on this one. I think Kulak doesn't get the respect that he should get. Uh, the problem with Kulak is when he makes a mistake, it's in the back of the net. That's the problem with Kulak. And then everyone forgets all the other good little things that he did during the game. Uh, yeah. Because he, he will that make one that big mistake. He will make that one he, big mistake every other game. Yeah. And everyone will remember that big mistake because it usually ends up costing you the game or puts the puck in the net. And that's why he's um, a third pair and not a top four. But everything else he does is pretty solid. I, I'm a I'm a Kulak fan. I like Kulak. I like his game. Um, but he, I don't see him more than a, I'm with you. I don't see him more than a third line. Whatever. I mean, if you can go through the whole playoffs with a guy like Eric Gustafson. I'm pretty sure you can play Kulak during an 82 game season. Just throwing it out there. Cause Kulak knows where his defensive zone is. Hey, look, it's over there. And he knows where the puck is in the defensive zone. Hey, look, it's in the net. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, it boggles my mind that these analytic Mete lovers, and uh, you know what? Nothing. I bash Mete. Mete is not a bad defenseman for what he is. What pisses me off about Mete is everyone's like, you got to look at the analytics. You got to look at the eye test. You got to look at the the metrics, right? Like the, the the regular stats of a player. Except Mete, only look at analytics for Mete. Just analytics, nothing else. Well, yeah, because if you look at the rest, you it don't want to look at them. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> and, and he's going to honestly, Mete is going to have a nice long career playing on middling to lower end teams where he can fill into a top four role for a year, maybe two. I don't so even think it'd be top four in Ottawa, to be honest with you. No, no, not this year. <laughs> they have too many defensemen there that are better than he is. But at 1.2 million, who gives a crap? He goes there, he plays, uh, he'll play a season in Ottawa. Then they'll put him on waivers when better defensemen come up and he'll go to another team and then another and another. He's going to have 10, 15 years, uh, a 10 to 15 year career of traveling around. He might end up uh, playing on a team in the playoffs later in his career. Hey, you never know, but he is going to be a long-term NHL player. He's just not going to be an impact player. I mean, of any he's not going to take over Shabbat, Zaitsev, Zub, probably not even Michael Dozado. Way too many Zs in there. Uh, I Josh guess North. Jo- oh, no, Josh North is Nick Holden, he might, uh, I don't know. Brandstrom, he'll play more minutes than Mete. Mete might not even make the lineup. If Mete decides to keep taking low-cost deals, Melnick will keep him on. True, true. (laughs) It's hockey on a budget, and there you go. I suppose. Honestly, good luck to Mete, and I hope that Ottawa sucks ass this year (laughs) so that you get a a ton of minutes. Uh, all right, so moving on from that to the return of Jonathan Drouin. Yes. 
<laughs> I got excited about that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I, I'm a huge, I'm a Jerome fan. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. I, I get like, I'm going to, I'm writing an article today. Actually, I'm finishing it today. It, it's up on my screen right now. And I know what the comments are going to be. As soon as I put it out, they're going to be fire. Fire version trade drew. He should be in Laval. The guy sucks. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? The guy. It's hard to write an article on Drew because you don't know what was wrong with him. Well, you, you can guess. I mean, I have a pretty good idea. And I reason I have a pretty good idea is because it makes the idea I have is makes sense. Um, and I believe it's mental health. I, tr- I truly do. Um, by the way, if you Google Druid, your article and my article are still some of the top, the top two articles on Druid. Just throwing it good. <laughs> um, and you look at him, but you look at his stats with Montreal. So he gets to Montreal's first game, first season, 46 points in 77 games. Then he gets 53 points in 81 games. And then he gets 15 points in 27, but actually that's 15 and 18 because then he broke his wrist the last year. Forced himself back too soon. Forced himself back too soon. I think he went eight game, eight, eight or 10 games without getting a point. Yeah. Then last year he has 23 points in 44 games. Uh, but the time he went out, he had 21 assists. The time he went out, he's leading the team in assists. Uh that Although, doesn't matter. They're not goals. Assists, how, how do you, I mean, come on. They're not goals. Assists don't mean nothing. They're not a goal. It's not like you need an assist to score a goal all the time. What were they primary assists? The majority of them were. They were, actually. It, it was almost a 50-50 split, but the majority, I think he had uh, a 12, I think it was 16 uh, or 17 were primaries. Something like that, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, he had no impact on the game whatsoever because he only got two goals. And I felt his defensive game. I mean, his Corsi last year was fifty-eight point two percent. His defensive game actually looked okay last year. It, it did. I mean, uh, I mean, should I get the per sixty points out because then it'll no. make him look really good? No. <laughs> it, it, the fact that with Drew Wang. If he's not the top goal scorer, the top point getter, and a Selkie candidate, he is a failure. But anybody well, else, it's no problem, right? But whose fault is that? And I, I wrote another article on Druin a while back yeah. saying Druin was put in a, a bad situation to begin with. First of all, he was brought in by Mark Bergevin to be the French savior of the, of the team. And the number uh, one center. And the number one center for a guy who's Never played center since he was in junior. And uh, well, he, well, played, he played like, what, 10, 15 games for Tampa yeah, Bay? I mean, not that he never, he never played on a consistent basis. Yeah. Then he comes in as a center. It doesn't work. Because the team sucked that year. Let's be honest. And the team sucked and everything was put on his shoulders. He gets 50, 46 points. Has a great start, which he normally does. And then he fades off as the season goes on. Then everything starts piling up. Oh, Druin was a mistake. We should never have gotten him. Sergachev has a great year. So let's blame Druin for the fact that Sergeyev, he got traded for Sergachev because it's all his fault that Berzevin traded Sergachev to get him. Yeah. You know, it's all Druin's fault that, and then Sergachev has a good year, which 
I, in all honesty, let, let's go back to the trade. Sergeyev played four games with Montreal and was mediocre. Let, let's be honest. He was also 18. Correct. He was 18. And, but he was, he traded, he traded from a position of weakness to help another position he was weak in with someone who doesn't play that position. So yep. again, it's not Drew fault. It's not Drew fault. And let's blame the person who orchestrated all this in Mark Bergevin. Um, and what's his strength? What is Drew's real strength? He's a playmaker. His, he's a playmaker. It was never his defensive game, but you look at how his defensive game has improved over his time in Montreal to where he is actually not bad. Like he's not, he's never going to get a selkie vote. He is never going to be your number one winger. He's not going to be put out on a penalty kill because, you know, he's so responsible, but he's not going to hurt your, your, your team defensively. Not really. Not at all. Not at all. Well, that's everybody makes mistakes. It's going to back check. He'll back check. He'll play his man. I, you're not going to see him go to any corner battles too much. No, but that's not, not his game. No, that's not his game. And I'm sorry if that if that's what you want his game to be. But you know who else doesn't do never did a lot of corner buck battles? Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky never fought in the corner for the puck. He had Yari Curry, and Dave Semenko to do that for him. Yeah, but Gretzky was scoring 92 goals a year. But my point is that wasn't <laughs> his game. Doesn't matter exactly. how many points you get. Right. So that's why you go out of your way and you go and get guys like Anderson and Armia and to Foley to Foley guys who play these types of games to complement a a player whose, whose strength is playmaking. So you got guys who go in the corners, you got guys who can shoot. None of them are known for their passing game. Well, someone's got to get in the puck. No, I mean, Think of it now. So you have Cottenemi, Anderson, and Druin on a line. Anderson, who's a pure, just a goal scorer. He's just a power forward who puts the puck in the net. He's a Cy Young player. Who can't really pass. (laughs) He's not a very good passer. No, He's not going to get you 80 points. He's going to get you 30 goals and about 40 to 50 points, right? Yeah, he'll get 10 assists and 30 goals. Which is fine. Which is fine. I don't care because that's is not his job. His job is to put the puck in the net. That's what he's doing. He's a north-south skater who crashes the net. Correct. But you put him on a line with, say, Cotton Emmy, who's a pretty good passer himself, who also has a very good shot. And then you put him on a line with Jonathan Druin, who is an excellent passer, excellent playmaker. You, you, you get the makings of a great line. Now, I said earlier I like Druin on the line with Caulfield and Suzuki, but the more I think about it, I think Toffoli would be better off with Caulfield and Suzuki and you have Druin on a line, say with Anderson and Kotniemi or on a third line with say with Anderson Hoffman. with Hoffman. Yeah. Well, they're both left wingers. So, so you'd have to switch one over there. Hoffman right. plays both wings. Yeah. So, but the point I'm making is just, I'm going to, Druin was out for mental. I think it was mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, it's never been said. So I'm speculating, but I think that's a pretty good educated guest. Um, and it because was because Montreal is well known for being level-headed and not passionate or piling onto players. That's just the thing. And Deneau said it. Deneau, when he said, when I was 
in the in the interview when I was struggling at the beginning, you, you hear it, you know, you know, like everyone's talking about it, and there's a lot more pressure put on someone who is of a French uh, francophone descent than there is anybody else, and it's hard. And some people have the mental fortitude to put it in the back of their head and forget about it, and others don't. And whether you call them weak, if you call them weak, you're an asshole. Uh, I'm sorry, but this is coming from a guy who has his own mental health issues and it's not weak. It's not weak at all. Right. It's Jeroen doesn't have, he's, he's always been that guy that takes everything onto himself and any criticism he takes personally. He's always been that guy. When he was here in Halifax, he was doing, he he was doing that, uh, did it in Tampa. He's doing it in Montreal and in Montreal it's, it is pronounced and it's in both languages. If you want to sit there and say he gave up on the team, he did this, whatever, whatever that, then obviously you have a perfect life that has no issues in it whatsoever. And you have no mental health issues and everything is hunky dory in your life that, or you're full of shit and you have no idea what you're talking about because uh, he just went to the team. Obviously the team or the organization was good with what happened because they supported him 110%. If they thought this was another, and I will admit in Tampa, he had a bit of a temper tantrum and he had a little bit of a fussy hit when he got sent down to the minors. Oh yeah, He didn't like it and different situation, different age, different time. Uh, I think this situation had a lot to do with his mental health. You had radio stations, you had Brendan Kelly, Brendan Kelly still being an asshole about it. You had, uh, and I'll call Brendan Kelly by name because he's a dickhead. And I can't stand the game. No, but, let's uh, stay consistent. He's an asshole. <laughs> uh, you know, like, who are you to demand that uh, the people be known what is wrong? It's none of your goddamn business. He's an entertainment reporter looking to drum up hits. That's yeah. who he is. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and Brendan Kelly, I'd love to have you on the show if you want to have a debate about this. Uh, yeah, that's going to actually. Happen. Actually, I don't want you on the show. Um, you know, but everything was stacked against him when he got here. Everyone thought he was going to be this 80-point scorer, which he's not. He's not going to be an NHL 80-point scorer. 60, 65 max, I would say, uh, put on the right line. Uh, the team was terrible when he got here. The team's starting to get better. As the team got better, he got better. But nobody sees that because everyone just sees the glaring mistakes. And now everyone's looking at him as a quitter or, or a person to give up because he had to deal with mental health issues. And I'm sorry, but to anyone who says that you're an asshole and uh, you, yeah, I, I, that's it. I, anyway. Yeah. As someone who suffers Rant with over. PTSD, I, I have to agree. And if anybody is struggling at any time, there are people out there that will listen. So reach out. If you're, if you're having a difficult time, please reach out. That, it's okay to not be okay. Exactly. It's a sign of strength to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Knowing your limits and understanding them is a sign of strength. And the people who are weak are the people who bash you for it. Because they're the ones that are trying to tear you down for no other reason than to make themselves feel better. Correct. So screw all you guys. This but not PSA, you guys. But you this guys. PSA you. brought to you by Habs Unfiltered. <laughs> uh all right so we're at about an hour i think that pretty much does it for our show we have we had a whole bunch of other stuff but um i mean i'm on holidays now i'm gonna be heading out of town into the woods 
so that I could partake in drinking and hanging out on a lake. Really, that's that's going to be my thing this week. So um, we might take a little bit of a break with the show. Uh, it all depends on all our holiday schedules. So it's it's the summer. We're not going to be as regular as we normally are. So uh, yeah, we want to thank everybody for listening to the ones that we have put out. And, you know, share it with your friends, your family. And remember, if you are having problems with your mental health, please reach out. Treg, did you have any final thoughts? No. Concise no, and to the point. This is why people love you, Treg. I think. I'm not sure. Well, I've done a survey. This. It's not the face. God, no. Oof. This is why this is why your screen is blacked out on YouTube. You're no Matt. No, nobody's Matt. Nobody's nobody's like Matt. The face of an angel. When God made Matt, he just that was it. That was he the stopped. End. He's he's he stopped. like I found perfection. Yeah. And ladies, he's single. <laughs> All Ready right, so, to uh, mingle. He's on he's yeah. on, gr- on grinder right now. I mean tender, tender right now. Some online thing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh but yeah, so I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank you guys for all your interactions with us through the season. This is our final show of the of season four. So I want to th- that's right, four seasons. So I want to thank you for for making this fun, for keeping it going. And uh remember if you were talking about it, so are we. Hey, what's that over there? I don't know, man. It looks like a, it looks like a jock strap. What? What's a jock strap doing up in the concourse? I don't know. Let me check. What's it it says C Lindgren on it. Weird. Man, are you always getting digged out and losing your gear? If so, you should download the new app, GearFinder.com. We'll put microchips in all your gear, so when that guy digs you out on a set. You'll find your gear later, and not some dudes in the crowd. Hey man, I should take this home to my wife. She might like it. Maybe she can find your gear too. Well, we'll download the app and we can help Charlie Lindgren out. (laughs) Yeah, help me! Yeah! Throw it over, guys! Gearfinder.com For all your lost gear needs. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fireburgy. This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fireburgy. On every message board. Fireburgy. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take a bath in. Fireburgy. You'll need no other fragrance.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.